Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Super excited to bring you the first ever podcast interview with two representatives from local Bitcoins. I spoke with them at the Oslo Freedom Forum last week. Just a quick heads up that after we recorded, local Bitcoins announced that the company had to remove local cash ads due to regulations concerning money laundering and terrorist financing. I emailed them to see if they had additional commentary, but they only referred me to the Twitter notice that they posted, which I'll link to in the show notes. Other than that, enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the podcast that reveals how the marquee news in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin. If you haven't yet signed up for the crypto workshop, Melton Demirers of CoinShares and Jalak Jobam Putra of Future Perfect Ventures and I are all teaching at Omega Institute in September. Check out the show notes for more details. Also, if you're not yet signed up for my weekly newsletter, go to unchainedpodcast.com right now to sign up. Are you ready for global cryptocurrency money laundering regulations? CypherTrace secures the crypto economy with powerful AML tools for exchanges, crypto businesses, and regulators. Greetings from the Oslo Freedom Forum. Today's guests are Vera Xavier, local Bitcoin's community manager, and Elena Torion, chief customer success officer. Welcome, Viruska and Elena. Thank you, Laura. It's really, really good to be here. Yeah, we're very excited to <laughs> So I think local Bitcoins is one of the less visible companies in the industry, especially to those who mostly engage with crypto through bigger brands like Coinbase or Binance. Elena, why don't you tell us what local Bitcoins does? Yeah, so local Bitcoins is a peer-to-peer trading platform. And I, I would really like to go back in history and tell you how we got started and how we developed within time. So, uh, Back in 2012, there were only a few companies uh, which were offering this kind of uh, service where you could uh, buy Bitcoin from your local dealer. You would be able to make an exchange. And at the time, our founder, Jeremias, he was checking out some of the services that were available. And somehow, I suppose he didn't find uh, them convenient enough. And he, he thought that, why don't I code a website on my own? And so uh, he coded one it's the simple version of it within two weeks. And to his surprise, people really started to sign up. So it was uh, something that people really wanted. And there was a genuine interest towards that. So um, at the time, a company wasn't profitable because uh, there was no business model behind it. I think it was just ideology. But uh, in 2013, we enabled this escrow model. And that's when the company became successful. And uh, I will briefly explain how it all works. And so escrow is pretty much the service we provide. Uh, It's when uh, sellers come to our website and post an ad that they want to sell their Bitcoins. Then buyers can search through the listings available, uh, choosing the payment methods they want and connect with the seller. And so the trade starts. The moment you press start a trade, 
it's all on and um, then uh, depending on the payment method you have chosen uh, usually the the trade is quite fast generally i think it takes few minutes to complete it but the basic idea is that when seller receives the payment he just uh, presses that payment received release in the bitcoins and bitcoins are going to the buyer's wallet and local bitcoins takes 1% fee from all the successful trades and the fees are paid once and only by the advertiser and that is pretty much uh, that is pretty much how our business model works um yeah i suppose that's what we do and uh, obviously at the time when uh, it started it was one man's company when i personally joined it was in 2014 uh it was maybe five people and still until until now we're very small and even though we have many users <laughs> we are still a team of uh, 35 people in a small helsinki office well small i guess compared to other <laughs> bigger exchanges but uh yeah uh, I think we we were trying to uh, make it really easy and simple to connect people to exchange, and uh, we succeeded. And I suppose that's how it became somewhat successful. I love that story. That's a great story. And Vera, can you tell us how many users you've had across all time and how many you typically have, maybe in a month, or who your typical users are? I think we have around uh, 3,000 to 4,000 new users registering every day, and uh, around half a million of them are active per month. So we do have lots of people using the platform regularly. Mm, at about, uh, I think, depending on the day, because weekends are a bit uh, less active. So uh, I suppose it's from 40 to 50,000 successful trades per, per day. Oh, wow. Yes. And I also saw on the site you're in 248 countries. And in 16,626 cities around the world. So pretty big presence for kind of a small company yeah. like this. And for just, I, I like how it's just sort of started as this guy's idea. And then it sort of just grew into a company. I also actually just wanted to circle back what you were saying about the escrow. So how mm -hmm. does that work exactly? It's Is that like something where you have to trust the app or is kind of more like a smart contract type? Uh, so uh, escrow is pretty much the safe place where uh, bitcoins are locked. Uh, so from seller's wallet, uh, uh, we automatically take those bitcoins to this safe place called escrow. And they are locked there until seller himself says that payment received, I'm releasing. And of course, there are situations when... Uh, a buyer and seller cannot come to agreement that uh, I didn't receive the payment or, I mean, there are multiple situations like that. And that's actually where our team comes in and uh, helps out to investigate the situation and to make a fair uh, decision on uh, who is getting uh, the Bitcoins from uh, the escrow. So I guess it qualifies as the smart contract yeah. concept. Oh, I see. But you guys are the arbiters, so it's yes. not like they're, oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and there are, I'm sorry to interrupt, but to, to go a little bit uh, fo forward with that, that uh, obviously uh, in any complex situation, we enable uh, different uh, departments to participate uh, to make a fair decision. And that includes our uh, fraud department and uh, our lawyers. And so, so we, we will have all the uh, opportunities to make a fair, fair call on all the disputes that happen on our side. But considering the trading volume that we have, like a, there are very few cases, I mean, proportionally, that uh, yep. demand or intervention. Oh, okay. 
So most of the trades, yeah, from let's say. let's say 50,000 trades uh, about 1,000 trades are being disputed and uh, 70% of those uh, get resolved by itself without us even opening the dispute yet so it happens so that one party is impatient and is saying I, I didn't receive the payment let's start a dispute and then after five minutes the payment appears so it, it goes without us noticing so I would say it's a very small amount of disputes that actually happen yes. okay. considering the amount of successful trades we have So who are your typical users? I would say that we have uh, a few categories of typical users. There is the tech enthusiast who is uh, using Bitcoin for quite a while because he is interested in Bitcoin as a currency, uh, but also as an investment. And there is there are other people who use Bitcoin trading to make profit. So yeah, the so-called day traders who are watching the ups and downs of the Bitcoin price and making the most out of it. And there are also the people who are using Bitcoin because it has become a necessity in their day-to-day. And that's very like, um, uh, how would I say, that's very a very regional phenomenon. Oh, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it varies a lot from country to country. Um, what is the profile of the user from that area? And what are some of those regions that are kind of having economic difficulty that see a lot of bit- local Bitcoins activity? Well, yes, we were, I was, we were chatting with Elena before this uh, interview and we, we, we were saying that it's, 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 it's a known phenomenon in the support group that when we notice like in a typical increase in trading volume in a certain country, the reasons behind it are usually some kind of like, um, political or economical instability. So in it's usually in the developing countries where we see these like a typical spikes in trading volume. So we have uh, the the most famous case and the most recent one is the Venezuela increase in trading volume, but there are also other South American countries who have a very similar trade volume graph like this very sharp increase. Um in the recent months, like Argentina, Colombia, and Peru. Also, uh, I would say that uh, we see quite a lot of increase in Russia as well. I'm not sure if the reason is uh, economical instability, but uh, it's a fact that it's so easy to get your bank account uh, closed in uh, Russia that uh, maybe, possibly, people... uh, don't have the trust in it anymore and they want to have this backup option to move their uh, money if they need to yes to, to make financial it. transactions uh, in some other way that it's available for them so yes they use bitcoin as to maintain control of their own wealth but also as a store of value in the case of venezuela where the local currency is much more volatile than bitcoin itself Yeah, and I saw a graphic that showed actually that there's a really high concentration of buyers and sellers in the U.S. And so that doesn't really, is that actually one of the profiles for the trading? Yes, yes, that's the, yeah, geographically speaking, I would divide our users between the developing country users and the developed country users. Because the developed country users have a very different, like, uh, purpose in trading. Those are usually the tech enthusiasts, the people who are doing the day trading, they are like uh, doing the profit-driven trading, the users who are coming from the EU area, from the UK, from the US. But 
actually there is a very interesting phenomenon also that like in African countries, Bitcoin trading has become like a, an important source of extra income. So we have these uh, quite significant markets in um, Kenya and Nigeria, for instance. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. I had not heard of that. All right. So we're going to discuss how local Bitcoins can be used for human rights in a moment. But first, a quick word from our fabulous sponsors. Ready or not, the Financial Action Task Force anti-money laundering recommendations soon go into effect globally. If you handle cryptocurrencies, no matter where you do business, these new AML laws will apply to you. CypherTrace helps exchanges, ICOs, funds, brokerages, and regulators understand and manage crypto asset and compliance risks. Learn how to reduce your exposure and prepare now for tough new regulations. CypherTrace is securing the crypto economy. Learn more at CypherTrace.com slash unconfirmed. Back to my conversation with Elena and Vera of Local Bitcoins. So um, out of curiosity, why does local Bitcoins keep such a low profile? Like I haven't seen a lot of media on you guys or anything like that. I blame the fact that we are Finnish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a choice and it's nothing uh, that is part of our strategy or has ever been discussed. But I think uh, our, we have a team of uh, introverted people and we're actually comfortable with the uh, uh, keeping maybe a low profile and no one has that uh, strong interest on in being active. I suppose that's one of the reasons, but uh, that that may change over time. I also I also believe that it has a lot to do with the fact that we haven't we haven't so far needed to be mm. much out there. Local bitcoins have has never had any kind of like explicit marketing strategy. Our growth has been basically organically driven. People who need the service just find us. Just, oh well, just yeah. like through word of, word of mouth or word of mouth mostly, and well, we are. Well, I think it's just that we are well. one of the biggest uh, exchanges, and since we are one of the only ones who survived, there is a lot of uh, trust uh, towards our company and our brand, and uh, probably word of the mouth is uh, one of the factors, uh, and the fact that uh, you don't want to right away jump and trust any new service that comes along if there is local bitcoins who has a history of uh, being rather stable company. So I, I suppose in an industry like this, uh, trust is uh, pr- plays very, very big role. All right. So we kind of started to talk about how this service is used in uh, developing countries or, or actually ones where they're seeing economic instability. instability. Um, but here, obviously, at the Oslo Freedom Forum, we've had a number of panels that talked about different ways that Bitcoin could be used for, to, uh, to, for instance, combat the surveillance state. How do you see lo- local Bitcoins being used in countries with authoritarian regimes or political instability? Is it literally just that you see more transactions or is there anything else you can tell us about the patterns of usage of buying and selling that are different? Mm, that's an interesting question because the way that we recognize the patterns in, in, in the user behavior is through like seeing many times the same kind of behavior in the user profiles and in the queries that we get in customer support. So it's not as if we are keeping track of the number of transactions, but I think that, uh, well, yeah, because we, we provide both the web wallet service and the, the, the marketplace, our platform ends up being used a lot, uh, both as a way to get the the coin moving across borders and also as a way to to cash out the 
the Bitcoin. So I think that that's very convenient for the people who, for instance, need to like send money back to their families. They get to do everything in the same service. They don't need to to move the coin around. But so that's mostly how we we that's the most usual way that we identify that these 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 user group is using local bitcoins for a probably a political or economical reason of their country. And the other ones we know because I mean we have heard about the situation of the country in other ways but it's not it's not something that we can spot so easily through the 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 user behavior in the platform it's not so explicit but actually what you described is it that you're seeing people purchase in one geography or jurisdiction and then they cash out in another one is that what you yeah as uh, there are lots of people who are for instance located in Venezuela but they are trading with USD so we can see that they are using bitcoin as a way of converting currencies oh oh wow like they're storing their money in USD and then in order to get bolivars they move it through bitcoin and that's probably how it works oh interesting so speaking of kind of these trouble geographies I did notice recently that local bitcoin stopped service in Iran why uh well uh, obviously uh, right now there are quite many regulations coming so the industry is getting uh, regulated and there is a lot of uh, gray area and uh, one of our top uh, priorities currently is uh, compliance even though we are a company uh, acting under uh, Finnish law we have users from all over the world and uh, uh, sometimes for some reasons we might uh, for some regulatory reasons we might uh, stop service in certain countries and uh, i suppose i would not be able to give any uh, more comments on this since it's a bit of out of uh, scope of my responsibilities but uh, i think the main point is that uh, we are definitely uh, doing our best uh, and cooperating with authorities all all over the world and also in the us recently a few local bitcoin sellers have received prison sentences for not registering as money services businesses and then fincen uh the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network recently released a report saying that local Bitcoins businesses would need to, to register in that way. So how does that affect your sellers and businesses in the U.S.? Like, are, are many of them contacting you about this or are they concerned or are you seeing it, you know, change any of the patterns there? I would say that uh, currently we don't uh, get any reports or questions uh, regarding those. I suppose uh, all, almost all our users, they are very uh, uh, knowledgeable in those topics because if you are trading Bitcoin, then you want to uh, probably know uh, everything about it. So I think a lot of them do the research on their own and uh, hence there is no need to ask for further information. Uh, but mostly local Bitcoins, we are a Finnish company. We respond to the Finnish authorities and it's the responsibility of each user to, to comply with the regulations of their own countries so yes yeah, so what it comes when it comes to registration of a like an individual vendor with their local authorities there is just so so much that local bitcoins can assist with oh oh so my next question for you was actually how you deal with so many different legal jurisdictions but it sounds like it's more that you know your service is there and then it's up to each individual seller on the platform to comply with whatever their, their local laws are uh, yes, there are those cases, and there are also the cases when local bitcoins has to 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 respond as a company. But those 
kind of like requests come directly to us. It's yeah, what the user doesn't need to do, then yeah, he doesn't hear about it. It comes comes directly to us. Okay, but as a company, we definitely prioritize uh, uh, the fact that uh, uh, if if there is a legislation coming, then we need to do to take steps forward uh, to uh, stay active in certain countries. Then we are cooperating and doing our best to to do so. So what's next for local Bitcoins? What are you working on or what new products or services are you planning to roll out? It's interesting because uh, so far we have uh, the core business has been so important to us because like uh, I think the the main goal for us was to or the mission more like to make uh, Bitcoin liquid and just to make it easy and possible to uh, exchange Bitcoins everywhere in the world. So uh that hasn't changed then that's uh, for now we're still going to concentrate on our core business but uh, definitely we are uh, uh, seeing that the future can be different and we might uh, present different uh, services or uh, products but so far it's um, there is nothing certain so uh, unfortunately i cannot bring any any big news uh, yet but we will definitely be working in that direction Okay. And maybe at that time, I'll have you guys back. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks for coming on Unconfirmed. Thank, Thank you, you for having much. us. Thanks so much for joining us today. To learn more about the topics we discussed, be sure to check out the links in the show notes of your podcast player. If you're not yet signed up for my email newsletter, go to unchainedpodcast.com right now to get my thoughts on the top crypto stories of the week. And be sure to check out our new channel on YouTube. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Fractal Recording, Anthony Yoon, Daniel Nuss, and Rich Straffolino. Thanks for listening.